a code red for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. He's tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. And whilst we've had our eye on events in Westminster, there is no leadership contest going on around here. There's no vacancy. That's because only one man has that daunting task of imparting some environmental wisdom to the nation without the bullshit. The green entrepreneur and environmentalist, Dale Vince. Dale, morning. Yeah, morning, Ian. Love the intro. How's it going? Isn't it interesting over there at the moment? I mean, even as this episode comes out, there'll be more names that have fallen by the wayside to to potentially leave just a couple. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite a show they put on, really, isn't it? To you know, choose from a completely unchoosable bunch. And 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 look, the you know, the ultimate choosing is done by two hundred thousand mostly white, mostly old men based in the south of England. You know, these people are going to choose our next Don't Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I mean, I think that's awful. I mean, what kind of democracy do we live in? And it's like, what, the third or fourth time in six years that the Tories have chosen our prime minister? I think they're trying to have one a year now. That's how I'm sensing (laughs) it's going to be an annual event. Because we've had so many of the darn things. Is there anybody on that list, though, that you look at and think, well, just maybe that might be the person that we could at least get some traction going with? No. And, you know, I think part of the problem is they are pitching to this audience of 200,000 mostly white, mostly old men in the South. And so they're all veering to the right, aren't they? They're all talking about culture wars, ditching green stuff. I mean, this is what's wrong with having that tiny constituency yeah. choose our next prime minister that you know hopefully they're playing to the to the crowd and you know whichever one of them does make it to number 10 will actually then become a you know more balanced human being yeah and well we've got rishi sunak of course and i think he's probably oh. firmly on the right and he's kind of you know somebody described me just a brown version of boris johnson which is probably true <laughs> in many respects because i don't think policy wise is i mean he might not tell as many lies but you know who does for that matter <laughs> yeah. uh, but then on the other side the kind of female version um penny morden seems to be getting traction as quite a kind of slightly more open-minded liberal socially liberal character penny mordor did you say that's we pronounce Mordon. So when she goes to France, they will love her because they'll assume she's a bit French. Yeah, no, I mean Rishi Sunak, right? He's he's also a slicker version of Boris Johnson, isn't he? I mean, True. you know, I mean, slick is what he is uh, to the point of cheese. Uh, ready for Rishi? What's that for a slogan? No, we're not ready for you, Rishi. You ready know. for Rishi? It sounds like some kind of food parlor in Soho, doesn't it? <laughs> Anyone yeah. for Rishi? Mm, I'm not for any of them. Um, you know, we should have an election. That's what we should have. Yeah, we we no, shouldn't, we shouldn't let this happen. Right. I'll tell you what they should be talking about. The, the, the fact that we've got temperatures that are about this weekend, probably about to go through the, you know, potentially the record, but very near to it as well. Mm. Uh, mm. Because this is, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Loads, loads of rain, was it a week or two ago? Like massive, massive amounts of rain. And then suddenly, mm. bingo, bing, the sun comes out. Weird that. 
Yeah, and we're getting an awful lot of hot air from Europe, which is unusual. Usually the direction of travel is the other way. <laughs> that's not a joke at Brussels expense, was it? You mean literally a lot of hot air. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what's driving our temperature up. I think the record's 38.5 degrees in Cambridge like 2019. Yeah. Uh, we're going to come close. Monday and Tuesday, I think, are going to be the peak hot days. And the Met Office have put out a death warning. You know, I mean, that's pretty extreme, right? Uh, in Europe, they're expecting temperatures to be way over 40 degrees at the same time which is you know it's approaching crazy isn't it i mean what more evidence do we need that some some do counter it though because i talked about this on the radio yesterday and i was i was having a, a right old sesh discussing this and a, a bloke rang and he went mate it's summer it's meant to be hot <laughs> that's right I mean, and if you don't look at data if you're not in touch with history then that's what you're going to say isn't it oh look it's hot it's summer but you know the data tells us a different story Right, yeah. We're breaking records continually in the last decade, one record after another for hotness, for wetness, for dryness, for fires, everything. And of course, if you look around the world, I mean, this is, there's a pattern here, right? I mean, from Australia and, you know, they, they didn't know climate change if it bit them on the arse, but they might be coming around to it. But it, it's literally everywhere, right? I mean, you know, when you've got Northern Europe, the floods in Germany, you know, mm. now the huge heat that's going on in France and, and over here as well. Yeah, wildfires in Alaska. I mean, that sounds improbable, doesn't yeah, it? I mean, Alaska and fire are two words you don't put together, really. <laughs> right. You'd assume they don't even have matches over there. But yeah. um, there it is. Well, well, obviously, we are the program that keeps our eye on this stuff. But I've not heard a single... Uh, one of the candidates mention anything about it? No, I don't think they dare because of the audience, their, their electorate. I think they just don't dare. Get uh, rid of net zero. <laughs> That's the big mantra. Will the Tories ditch net zero, Dale? It's a good question. I would say doesn't even matter because they're doing sweet FA about it anyway. So if, the, yeah, well, there is, that's one way to look at it, isn't it? Yeah. Again, we, we talked about this last week. What is fascinating is when we do phone-ins on this and the, the aforementioned uh, old white men in the South call it, they think that the Tories are absolutely <laughs> evangelical about green stuff. They think <laughs> Boris Johnson is no different to Greta Thunberg. I know, it's amazing, right? Well, what world do they live in? Yeah, they say, until they get rid of that net zero, until they get rid of that old shit, I'm not voting for any of them. They really absolutely have the very opposite view to you. I mean, not that people have different views to me, but how extreme. <laughs> That's strange, yes. How weird is that? How dare? <laughs> but just how extreme and unconnected it is, because, you know, if they looked at the record of the government in terms of doing rather than talking, then they'd relax a little and say, no, it's yeah. okay. You know, there's nothing happening here. Or if they looked at uh, reports that show how much money green energy has already saved us as a country and as consumers or householders, then they might relax again and say, do you know what, um, you know, there's merit in this green energy because it's saving us money it's interesting that it's not just the conservative party because you would have seen that story that there was a, a climate emergency briefing and something like 68 mps went to it yeah i know which is shocking right you said well where there's 500 and odd of them where the hell were they in the bar Probably. Yeah, I don't think it's shocking, actually, that, that level of interest. Or maybe they were also well, you know, boned up on the climate crisis. They didn't need to go. Maybe they felt, you know, they were, they were beyond that. But you had, uh, so you had Sir Patrick Vallance, uh, the UK's chief scientific advisor in Parliament, you know, guy that knows his beans and stuff. And 
you know, you'd, you'd think it might be a, an opportunity to hear what somebody like that had to say aside, aside from anything else. Mm. But, you know, I'd go further on this. I would say it's your, your, your kind of duty to attend this kind of thing. Yeah. And didn't it come about through um, the action of a, of a protester? Didn't somebody hold a protest to get exactly this outcome? Yeah, that's right. Angus Rose staged a 37-day hunger strike um, outside Parliament. Incredible. Incredible. And, and only 70 MPs showed up for it. Uh, so even somebody trying to starve themselves to death to hammer the point home wasn't enough mm-hmm. to get people out the bar uh, to a meeting with the government's chief. So, I mean, it wasn't exactly being held by Swampy, you know, where you might go, we'll give that a swerve. Uh, this was Sir Patrick Valance, you know, the main man, as it were. I think I'd swerve towards the Swampy gig, actually, and see what the man's got to say myself. But yeah, yeah I'm with could, you. I'm with you. He's, right. he's a science man, right? And uh, they might have learned something. Well, maybe that was the fear. Yeah. That, <laughs> that yeah. could be Don't the fear. Don't bother me with the facts. <laughs> Patrick Valance, f*** off. You know, we don't, with your big scientific ways, coming round here. Don't yeah, care did, about your hunger strike people. Didn't help us in the pandemic, did he? No. Good old Pat. One of the three amigos, wasn't he? <laughs> three amoebas i thought you said <laughs> i think possibly i think i felt quite sorry for the two medical people because if ever two people looked as if they didn't want to be somewhere on a daily basis it was standing next to boris johnson in downing street yeah yeah i understand that as well still he's history right well nearly he's still in downing street but yeah well, yeah. yeah indeed here's a question from gina who says oh, what are the chances of getting a picture with you at womad this year dale i think that's a stalker alert <laughs> well, I was going to say pretty good, actually. I will be on the stage, won't we, on Saturday, round about, is it midday? Something I like that? I think so, yeah. We're doing the podcast live, Jon Snow, of course, on with us as well. Hmm. So that, this yeah. is going to be a great episode. Yeah, I think it will. Even though it's three old white blokes, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll pass the Tories, right? right? We'll, we'll call it a you know, an impromptu Tory conference. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. As many people that turned up at the, <laughs> the climate change meeting, um, we will watch with it. So yes, uh, I, I'm sure Gina can joking aside, Gina will be able to get a photograph. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. I'll be there. Michael on Facebook. When will we get to see the hovercraft or the camper van? Well, soon, I reckon. Uh, I've got a little video sent to me yesterday by the guys that are putting the finishing touches to it. And I was going to share that on social. I'll get around to that soon, hopefully. And we're going to set up uh, a kind of um, a launch test drive session uh, for the next couple of weeks. So, I mean, it's, it's imminent now. Mm. I know I've been saying that for a while. <laughs> but yes, but it's not. But I think the point is, the reason why it's good to raise that as well, and thank you to, to Michael who sent the question, and it's, it's good just to remind everybody that sometimes because we don't talk about something every week, it doesn't mean it's been shelved. Mm, that's true. That's true, yeah. And it took just a little bit longer, you know, but when you're starting from scratch making something, and of course it's got to be out over the water, this thing. So uh, yeah. it's got to be, final touches are all about waterproofing and making it robust. Um, but it's looking good. It's so these will replace your executive helicopter that you <laughs> That's fly right. around the Cotswolds. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm, <laughs> I'm just getting ready for the flood, right? You know, when the flood who, comes. who started the urban myth about your uh, your helicopter? I have no idea. Was it Will? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it predates Will, actually. <laughs> Does it? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, not, not on this planet, but at ecotourism. Yeah. yeah, I, I keep getting a text from a guy that thinks I live in a um, a castle for some some reason. Oh. like as in a like a massive castle not what not once a bit of a castle as in like <laughs> dover castle <laughs> well, it's just made it up so 
Yeah, people just make stuff up. <laughs> yes, yes, it's, it's Windsor Castle that I live. Everybody right. knows that. Yeah. Uh, U.S. climate change emissions cause two trillion quid's worth of damage on other countries. Now, this is an interesting angle, isn't it? Because people, it's all very well for detractors and people who aren't happy with climate stuff to go, you know, we don't care about this stuff. We're not bothered. We don't want this. But actually, uh, this is a global thing. You you can't function in isolation when you're talking about this. And there will be lots of examples, I would imagine, where what one country does actually has a devastating effect on another, whether that's in goods that are travel, whether it's in animal products, whatever it happens to be. And the United States seem to be top of the league on that. Yeah, but that's because they're such big consumers of everything, right? True. Uh, you know, per capita, they're the world's you know biggest consumers of everything. And along with that comes a big carbon footprint and a big environment impact. I mean, that's the way it is. Uh, you, you know, you remind me of um, of the kind of uh, meat debate that, you know, pops up every now and then in the old expression, one man's meat is another man's poison. Yeah. I was saying the other day that uh, actually I think one man's meat is every man's poison because if you choose to eat meat, then you do drive the climate crisis, the wildlife crisis and the pollution of water and all that kind of stuff. And that affects everybody. So your diet choice actually poisons everybody, not just yourself. Here's a question from Alice who says, Dale, I saw the Ofcom news. Is my money safe with you? What the hell's the Ofcom news? Oh, I think it's uh, off gem, actually. Yes, but, I'm sure yeah. it should be off gem. I should have be been swearing on the radio, which is possible. <laughs> yeah. It's happened before. Yeah. Uh, so they put out a statement yesterday. It was it was pretty poor, really. It was a bit of a show from off gem to say, look, we're here. You know, we're, we're busy being an effective regulator just six months after letting 30 energy companies go bust. Uh, and I think it was a bit of kind of showmanship to say, look, we're telling these energy companies off. Six of them, I think one of them was us, Ecotricity, saying that we have to take urgent action around direct debits. And they said something vague, like there are mild to serious kind of issues with direct debits or something. And it has made a few people think, oh, is it like a banking security issue or something like that? It's not that at all. In our case, it's different for everybody. But in our case, our new billing system doesn't yet take into account credit balances when it calculates DD, uh, a new DD level. Uh, so we have to do that manually. But we've got a, a fix for that that goes live in six weeks. We've been working on it since January. We told off Jim that they didn't care, didn't take it into account. You know, they're just gonna, you know, attacked six energy companies for pretty pretty minor things a bit of scaremongering really actually well you know it's someone's job over there at Offgem to write a press release every day um doesn't really matter what's in it just write one so i think every now and again they think well we've got to you know we are here we're meant to do something so uh, yeah. let's sound a bit serious and send yeah. one out yeah i mean they've been asleep at the wheel i think this is them you know just making a show of being very much at the wheel and in control and you know staying on top of the naughty energy companies sure what about this uh, french authorities seeing that link between colon cancer and sausage this is uh, uh, what are they called these cured meats aren't they you know the ones with nitrites and charcuterie yeah and, and like the World Health Organization stuck them on a list of carcinogens alongside tobacco, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that. So, And the French acknowledged that. They were like, this is not new, but we've just confirmed it ourselves. I guess they're French. They have to do it themselves. And uh, now it's now it's real in France. And they're going to do something about it. And I think that's, that's actually the exciting and more important part of this story. French government are saying that they will do something about it. You know, they're going to educate people that this stuff is bad for them. It's killing them, which is exactly what our government needs to be doing because the science around animal products is clear not not just about the climate but the effect on human health and our government 
refuses to uh, give people the true, honest advice about that. And they're being taken to court for it at the moment um, yeah. by, by another group of uh, loony left-wing activists, as the Tories probably see them. It's interesting, though, isn't it, that it, it doesn't take much to work out when you look at sort of links between disease and, and, and food and the like. And, you know, I know there are degrees of, and, you know, I'm sure in the, you know, if, if you're a vegan, as you are, Dale, then it doesn't matter which part you eat, it ain't right, it's not good, etc. But, you know, if you are eating something that contains a cow's anus, then it it should really come as no surprise that it might make you feel a bit iffy. Or just chuck it. There's a snout in my sausage. Yes, it's meant to be there. That's that's allowed. So yeah. of, of course there's going to be, and there has to be a knock-on effect. Lips, ears, and bums. That's what they put into pies and sausages. Yeah. By you know, by law, that's allowed. It's incredible. People don't know that. But look, we talked last week, didn't we, about the uh, the rise of bacterial infection in chicken and pork, an incredible uh, rise. And in the case of pork, it was. Uh, resistant to the last antibiotic used to save human lives, sure. which is kind of you know shocking. We broke a story today from last week. There was a mystery pig illness in Norfolk. So the uh, farmer killed some pigs, tested them, uh, found it wasn't swine fever or something else. So it, it's just like a mystery new disease in his pigs. And then he decided to kill the whole herd because they were suddenly worthless. And we've got drone footage of these guys uh, walking around with a shotgun, shotgunning pigs to death, which is like the most hideous uh, thing you can imagine. Well, because his pigs were worthless. Because I of- think that's what it was. I mean, arguably, morally, they were already worthless to him. He obviously didn't give a shit about them. But, that's true. you know. There are scenes, these these pigs just weren't killed effectively. They're flapping on the floor in pools of blood. Other pigs are going up to them and kind of nudging them to see what's wrong with them while he's reloading his shotgun to shoot another one. You know, it's the most hideous event. Anyway, we break that story today. Uh, that's linked to pigs, which is linked to bacteria, which is linked to health, human health. You know, it's not just Of for, course. Is that illegal as well? I we mean, think so. We think I was about illegal. to say, I mean, you know, we don't like slaughterhouses. I, I get that. But there are rules and regulations. And I... Mm. Just blasting away a set, a group of pigs in a field doesn't sound like anything that's been given the green light legally. But we'll we'll watch with interest. Can I share this? I'm, I just want to share this, right? Because the the veterinary advice around killing a pig is that they're very difficult to kill. And one of the tried and trusted ways to do this is stick a screwdriver through their head and stir their brain. Oh blimey! I kid you not. Who came up with that? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Wow, that's awful. What I want to know is Phillips or Flathead, right? Yeah, that's the one. There's the question. Uh, A group of councillors went for a meaty lunch in a boycott against a vegan meal on the council menu. This was Oxfordshire County Council's cabinet, who voted to serve entirely plant-based meals at full council meetings and all civic events. Uh, Currently, there are seven meetings in the full council year, meeting for all 63 councillors. Some of them got pissed off about this and decided to go for a wimpy, it seems. (laughs) Or somewhere similar. Yeah. It's quite funny how somebody has to make the stance. We're going, no, we're deliberately going to eat lots of meat. I don't know what to say. It's a bit boneheaded, isn't it? I mean, what part of me thinks, well, look, guys, just eat as much as you possibly can and die quick. Yeah. But that won't happen like that because, you know, it takes a long time, actually, to poison yourself. And in the meantime, you're poisoning the planet, you know, and back to one man's meat is every man's poison. Indeed. Even the bender in the bun. Do you remember that at Wimpy? I do. I worked there once. Stop it. Yeah, as a kid, I worked in Wimpy in Great Yarmouth. You worked I did. in the Wimpy? So you're you're completely au fait with the bender. <laughs> I lasted about a day. I was, was going to say, I can, I can see why that wasn't a long-term career thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, final one from Tom on Facebook. Few people have mentioned this naturally. What are your thoughts on the season ahead for Forest Green Rovers promotion or consolidation? Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's not promotion, right? I don't see it. But, you know, I wouldn't rule out a playoff spot. That might be possible. I would be very happy with consolidation. That's kind of like how it seems to work, how it should work. I think it's a, it's obviously a bigger, much better league than we've been in. So we've got a bunch of new players joining us. And, yeah, consolidation would be a, a good outcome. I think our manager would be a little bit more ambitious than that. Uh, our coach, I should say, and uh, and so will the fans. But I can't see promotion this year. I really? would imagine, ah, you know, I think it's a that's a lot to expect. Aren't you meant to say no? Yeah, we're going for it. <laughs> we, we will go for it. Um, and this is just a question of what we find when we jump into the into the league and start playing some of these really big clubs. Like our first home game is Ipswich, right? I mean, yeah, saw that. That's a huge club. Uh, so uh, I'm just really looking forward to. It. I think we're going to have some great fun. Our it's going to be superb. But yep. the message just gets bigger and better. There's a FIFA film coming out in uh, August. I think it is late August. A little documentary about Forest Green Rovers. Of course. I forgot they've been doing that. Yeah. Oh, that was a year or more ago, wasn't it, they were doing that? So. Well, they started before the Christmas last. Yep. And then and then they got hit with COVID. It kind of wiped out three film crews. Not not literally. They didn't die. Uh, but it's <laughs> good for that. Set, <laughs> set them They're back all completely. alive. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so then they re- they reconstituted with one film crew with a with a slightly less ambitious yeah. agenda, which is a, like a one hour or one and a half hour uh, kind of uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like a like a teaser type thing. Yep. Good work, Dale. That's it for this episode. Um, we will speak very soon, and we have the WOMAD special on the way as well, of course. Ooh, a couple of Saturdays away, A couple right? of Saturdays away. Looking forward to that. Uh, speak to you soon, Dale. Yeah, cheers in. See you later. Take care. Don't forget, of course, to follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. And follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero carbon east off.